Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It's sort of the historical debris that we inherit. I was especially struck by the fact that this marker was outside the county police headquarters. We have an opportunity to use the, the removal of the marker to express our contemporary values and commitments to principles. And the object still exists, does it not? I'm Elaine Cha. In 1955, a sign was erected in Clayton, Missouri. Written in paragraphs of neat gold letters, the sign recounted the history of the founding of St. Louis County. Or rather, it was a history told from a particular perspective. According to the sign, that history began when the county was, quote, first visited by white colonists in the early 1700s. That view of history stood for decades, first near the former Clayton Community Center, and then at the corner of Forsyth Boulevard and Merrimack Avenue, right outside the St. Louis County Police Department. Then, in November 2022, the sign was gone. It was quietly taken down by the St. Louis County government and represents a victory of sorts for advocates like Jeff Ward, who has spent years asking for its removal. Ward is a professor of African and African-American studies at Washington University, and he joins us now in studio to talk about the now-removed memorial and why it matters what we do with public signs. Professor Jeff Ward, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Professor Ward, in 2018, you first noticed this sign, which is on its own, a fairly small sign that was shaded by several trees and bushes, but it really stood out to you. Why is that? Well, I'm an historical sociologist, and I had been increasingly interested in uh, historic markers and monuments and memorials and the way that a community uh, sort of expresses its values uh, on the public landscape. I'd become interested in this in my work, and my family had just moved to St. Louis in 2018, and I was probably especially attentive to my new community. Um, and I, so I'm one of those people who reads those markers, and I find them interesting. And and um, this one was startling to me. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we know about the science creation? Like, what was happening around the time of its making? Well, the little I learned about the signs making was that uh, in the the 1950s, the State Highway Commission uh, developed historical markers for every county in Missouri. I wasn't able to determine who exactly, you know, uh, crafted each marker and how this particular marker came to be crafted in the way that it was, but it was one uh, one of the many markers that were placed in counties around Around the uh, around the state. Mm-hmm. Now, the Riverfront Times did report about the sign's removal, 
and that coverage noted that it was taken down all the way back in November with no fanfare or public disclosure or announcement. Now, you had advocated for the signs being taken down. So in one sense, it was a victory, but you also critiqued the way that it was done as a missed opportunity. What was it that was missed? Well, the reason I was especially interested in the sign and concerned with its uh, removal is because I do work on legacies of racial violence, and I and there's some reason to believe that in reckoning with these kinds of markers, communities can address some of these uh, historical legacies. I was especially struck by the fact that this marker was outside the county police headquarters, and and that it uh, essentially degraded the rule of law was the argument I made um, by defining the county as a white place. So I also knew that I was aware of the fact that the county, the city of Clayton had recently established an equity commission. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity to bring to the equity commission a suggestion for a way that we can, uh, we can take concrete steps towards creating a more equitable and inclusive community. And I made an argument for the recommending the removal of the marker, but more, most importantly to your question, I suggested that it would be critical that in removing the marker, our city leaders, our county leaders, uh, be vocal about why this is happening so that we use this as an occasion to really see deeper commitments to to equal rights, to, to human and civil rights, and to disavow the white supremacism that is reflected in the, in the in the marker, and to be clear, none of us were involved in authoring the marker. It is sort of a historical debris that we inherit as contemporaries, but we have an opportunity, I argue, to uh, to use the the removal of the marker to express our contemporary values and commitments to principles like anti-racism. So when you submitted this uh, proposal for its removal, what seemed to be the appetite for hearing that at the time you, you first presented it? I was met with a lot of support from the uh, city of Clayton. Um, I heard from you know, I, the Equity Commission I mentioned invited me to, to speak at its next meeting, and I got, um, you know, um, I think unanimous support from the Equity Commission that this was something that should be addressed. The, the mayor of Clayton called me directly and said, this is, you know, appreciate you raising this. We'd like to evaluate these issues in the city of Clayton more generally, and would you be part of a task force that's going to do that? Mm-hmm. The county also set up a task force, apparently, um, soon after this and the, to, to examine these kinds of symbols. So there was a lot of positive response uh, uh, initially, and then from the county there was just kind of silence. Mm-hmm. And on that note of silence, um, when you spoke with the Riverfront Times about the signs removal, you raised the idea that the county's silence around taking the sign down was good for the county because it was a way to skirt criticism. So you were quoted as saying, there's an element of whiteness that requires a commitment to evasion and self-deception on matters of race. For many, there's an inability to acknowledge the problem of structural racism. So a commitment to evasion. Could you expand on that? Yes, and I would say it's it's not objectively good for the county, but there's a 
you know, there is a kind of chilling element in our political culture that says, uh, avoid these topics that make some people uncomfortable, um, you know, whitewash the past or uh, pretend it doesn't matter. Um, and and I think that, you know, I'm speculating as to why the county chose to do this, you sort of, uh, you know, expunge this item quietly um, rather than use it as, an, as a teaching and learning opportunity for the community. But I think it, 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 it most certainly has something to do with the broader environment of um, uh, unwillingness to talk about things like colonialism and slavery and racism you know, uh, the unwillingness to engage in difficult conversations. Um, so I think the, I, my speculation is that the county officials decided that there was little for them to gain politically from um, making a more public uh, sort of uh, moment of this removal. And um, I think that's a miscalculation. Mm -hmm. I think the... Um, I th and, and I think ultimately we gain less as a community uh, from the removal um, due to the fact that it was done in silence. Mm -hmm. Are there any examples that you have seen, not necessarily here, but elsewhere, where a, a monument or a sign has been removed uh, in a better way and perhaps with, with longer lasting um, positive effects? Well, I think we're seeing examples of this all along the spectrum of um, uh, in relation to Confederate monuments. And uh, colleagues at Washington University, uh, David Cunningham and some of his co-authors recently wrote a paper where they looked at how different communities have approached the removal of uh, commemorative uh, Confederate objects. And they showed that in places where uh, the item was just kind of removed, expunged without without reflection, without um, you know, without comment. Um, including here in St. Louis, with the with the, uh, with, the with the marker that the, the statue that was in the Forest Park, that in those places um, you essentially remove a resource for. Uh, by, by not having this deeper contextualization, you remove the capacity to use that intervention as a foundation for further progress in the realization of something like uh, racial justice. In other communities where there has been some recontextualization of objects or repositioning of the object vis-a-vis -vis other kinds of objects and so forth, they showed that um, those communities continue to draw energy from the effort of recontextualizing the Confederate monument. So. So, so essentially, my my point here is that we have deprived ourselves of, as a community, of the energy we could have, we could gain from the reckoning with this object um, by trying to do it in a way that did not make people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the object still exists, does it not? That's what I read. I I I still not heard from anyone at the county about what I I believe I read it was in storage and there's some uh, discussion about what might happen to it next. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you did mention that I'd like for you to at least touch on is what you had said about structural racism. People understand this individual to individual part, but simply put, why is structural racism? Why is that important to point out in the context of what we're discussing with this sign? 
Well, what's remarkable to me about this sign is that it very explicitly sort of defined St. Louis County as a white place. It's, it essentially says history begins here with the arrival of white people, and it and, and thereby builds into our landscape um, a differential valuation of human beings. Um, critically, it does this outside of a, a major uh, governmental institution um, that is that is plagued with a history and, um, and contemporary crisis of unequal protection under law. So I think it's, you know, as I said when we began our conversation, you know, what a community places on its public landscape is a statement of what is a reflection of what a community values. And I think more specifically, it's a reflection of whose values enjoy representation, who who enjoys respect, and by extension, who is subject to disrespect um, through things like um, um, both what commemorative objects remember, but also um, through practices of erasure or misrepresentation. Um, so I think those are issues that are at stake on the commemorative on the, through the commemorative landscape, and they uh, in turn um, socialize us to understand those objects, among other things like textbooks and so forth. Socialize us to understand our relationship to each other, and our uh, you know they they play a part in shaping our moral universe. The sense of you know who who to whom we have moral obligations, and to whom we do not. So I think it was interesting in the article in the Riverfront Times, I was reading some of the comments, and I usually try to avoid that, but, but you know, there were a lot of comments about, well, this is, so, this is trivial. Who cares? This doesn't matter. Um, but we know from social science research that these cultural valuational um, sort of dimensions of structural racism play into other kinds of violence, structural violence and interpersonal violence, and we think they're very much intertwined. Uh, and that's why I pay so much attention to them. Jeff Ward is a professor of African and African-American studies at Washington University. He spoke with us about St. Louis County's quiet removal of a racist sign from Clayton and missed opportunities there. Jeff, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.